Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Wednesday night Bible study of a Sound Heart Radio. Uh, we want to give God thanks for this opportunity to meet uh, with his people. And uh, we pray for the community uh, of believers throughout the cosmos, uh, believers uh, around the world are in need of prayer, they're in need of uh, our support through prayer. And so pray for <clears throat> the the people of God and pray for the world at large. Uh, so many evil things are going on at this time, uh, things that are engineered to create suffering and misery not only for the people of God, but for the world at large. <clears throat> so we are indeed thankful for this word. Uh, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the word of God is alive. <clears throat> we have uh, the living document of the word of God at our disposal. God is protecting us and so that we can have this word. Believe me, that are there are forces uh who want to uh take the word of God from us. Uh there are forces that don't want us to have uh the word of God at our disposal. And uh, so we are thankful we can uh, have the Word of God and that we can open our Bibles and read uh, the will of God and we can find comfort. Believe me, uh, long ago I I read stories about pastors in different countries who did not have a Bible and they only had portions of verses uh, that they shared with their people and those portions that they shared with their people that they had in their possession blessed them and built them up in the faith uh, once for all delivered to the saints. So, and the, the, the pastors in this community had to pass around the portion of the scriptures that they had uh, to build up 
that they go love their people for witness as to what the word of God is. The word of God will will ground uh, will ground us, will make us stable, and will build us up accordingly. So we are to be built up in the faith. The word of God stabilizes once again. And the word of God builds us up. <clears throat> we are the people of God. We are the community of God. Uh, our poetuma, that is our citizenship, is in heaven, from which we eagerly await uh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I need you, if when you have an opportunity, please read the book of Hebrews. And at the end of the book of Hebrews, uh, well, in chapter 2, the writer talks about uh, says he doesn't want believers to drift away uh, from the faith. At the end of the book of Hebrews, uh, he states, uh, don't throw away your faith. Don't throw it away. And uh, he says, look, uh, you have not yet resisted unto blood because these believers had been severely persecuted. Uh, their material possessions had been confiscated. And they were led up before uh, their respective communities uh, <clears throat> in order to be uh, harassed and railed against for their faith. Jesus said in John's Gospel, uh, in the cosmos that we would be in tight places, he said that. Uh, he made that known. And uh, Paul wrote that, that we would suffer uh, certain uh, we would suffer persecution because we belong to Jesus. Uh, he said we were appointed unto these things. But Paul also wrote that God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a living hope. Jesus is our living hope in the cosmos. The cosmos seeks to divide so that it can devour. The devil deal, kill, and destroy. Once again, the devil seeks to divide so that he can devour. Peter also wrote uh, that they will make merchandise of you. They will make merchandise of you. Now, long ago when I was a child, uh, uh, I lived in San Francisco, and there's a store downtown on Market Street called the Emporium, the Emporium. And the Greek word uh, that's used uh, by Peter is, is derived from this word, Emporium, a place where, where goods are bought and sold, or, or where goods are sold in the case of the Emporium on Market Street. So, yes, these things were bought at uh, wholesale and sold at retail prices. But Peter wrote that. And uh, you and I, uh, when we were born, were given, were given a birth certificate. And uh, it, it has the birth certificate has a very interesting history. Uh, when we were born, we, we 
became corporations. And um, our birth certificate is shows that we are a corporation. Uh, uh, America, the United States, I should say, is a corporation. Uh, you need to read the history of why I'm saying these things. So uh, we are legal entities uh, as far as the government is concerned, over which they have absolute authority. Uh, if you would read about the District of Columbia, 10 square miles, um, then, and read about why uh, the District of Columbia was put in place, uh, read about the, uh, 1789 and what happened and, uh, you know, what eventuated from the Constitution and for whom it was written. I need you to understand these things. So um, the word of God, the God's message for us is radically different from that of the world or that of the cosmic system. The devil comes to steal your peace, your life, kill. Yes, he will kill. Or literally that word kill means to slay. Uh, as a king slew his brother Abel. Uh, and in First John we read that uh, Cain uh, slew his bro- brother like a, a, a sacrificial animal. That's the emphasis. He comes, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, destroy. So Jesus tells us the character of the devil. Now, the devil, the word devil is an adjective, and it means the one who divides, the one who divides. Please read Revelation chapter 12, and you will read that the devil is just one of the titles of that old serpent, the old serpent, the ancient archaos, the ancient uh, serpent or dracon, D-R-A-K-O-N in the Greek, that old dragon. And the word dragon means the sharp seeing one. The devil is the sharp seeing one. And so we are enjoined and indeed we are uh, commanded in Ephesians 6 to put on uh, we're, and uh, as command stated in the imperative we are to put on the armor of God. It doesn't read put on the whole armor of God. It reads put on with the idea of never taking it off. Put on the armor of God. Now, this, the model here is that the, the model armor is that of the Roman soldier. The armor was designed for advance. The armor was not designed for retreat. The sandals had nails in the bottom to make uh, the, to make sure that the the soldier uh, would be stable or stabilized, and so uh, the sandals were designed to keep him moving forth and also to keep him stable. So uh, 
we are to stand in this evil day. We are to stand. <clears throat> now, the Bible is different, or uh, Christianity is, is is different for uh, in 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 its emphasis, that is, in its focus. It is focused on the the character of Christ, the person of Christ. He is the the center of Christian faith. He is the center. He is Jesus is not the founder of a religion. He is the center of our faith. Okay, and so. Uh, upon salvation, uh, when that event occurs, when uh, the, the heart is regenerated by the Holy Spirit, the person, uh, the individual is born again uh, or, or born anew of, by the Spirit of God, by the washing of regeneration, by what? Uh, please read the book of Titus by the washing of regeneration, by the word of God. The word of God is central. And now you see why the devil wants uh, to take or to divert the attention of the believer away from the word. Uh, and because he knows that if uh, the believer centers his life within the word, he is going to grow. He is going to become formidable. He is going to become a challenge. His life is going to impact others around him. Her life impact others around her because of the word. Remember, the word of God is alive. The living witness is unmistakable. The freshness, the vitality, the richness, the unmistakable aliveness of the word so that others will be able to see what God uh, can do through his spirit. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I want to read to you uh, from John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Where do you read? Uh, the first seven verses, the first seven verses of First John chapter 1, quote, that which was from the beginning or out from the beginning, uh, really a beginning which was not a beginning, which we have heard with the present result that it is still ringing in, in our ears. That's from Kenneth Wiest, uh his translation which we have seen with our eyes, have seen, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Uh, that word touched should read, uh, have handled with a view to investigating. Why does he use that language? Well, the, the, the Thetic philosophers said that Jesus only seemed to have a body. He was a phantasma. Uh, he did not really have a body. Hence, uh, the John is giving empirical witness to the incarnation, to the theanthropos, the God-Man. 
This we have, uh, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now notice, Jesus is here called the word. We have the masculine article, ho, and uh, we have the noun word, ho. He is the, the word of life. The word here for life is zoe. And one individual has said that this word means, uh, we can translate it as the highest blessedness of the creature. Jesus is the word of life. The life appeared, so the historic incarnation of the second person of the eternal trinity, Jesus. Christos, he is the anointed one. He is the anointed of God. He is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And look, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, permeated the public ministry of Jesus. And after Jesus was baptized of Jordan uh, by John in the Jordan, he was tossed out or uh, in Mark's gospel, he was thrown or tossed into the wilderness uh, to be tempted under hoopo, uh, to be tempted under the devil. Now, notice the order. It is important, it is imperative to notice the order of events. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. You and I, as believing ones, our normal way of being before God should be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, the personality under uh, or uh, submitted to the power of the Spirit. The, uh, there is a crucifixion of the flesh with its affections and love. There is this uh, initial volitional act wherein the, uh, the believer, uh, Galatians 2.20, uh, is crucified with Christ. There is this co-crucifixion. That happened, Paul, when Jesus was crucified. There is, there is a co-crucifixion that we share with Jesus. There is a co-burial. We are baptized. Our baptism, our water baptism, is a symbol of that event, co-burial. We were co-buried with him. And then there is the co-resurrection, the word of God uses. God knows the end from the beginning. Please read Romans 8. God knows the end from the beginning. So I want to lay the doctrinal foundation for our discussion, and that is what does the word fellowship mean in the New Testament? So let me go on. Verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship 
with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this, and so John uses what we call the literary plural here, the literary plural. Uh, we and, this, and and so this is like a signature of his uh, authorship that we have here. We write this to make our joy complete. Notice where he goes with this. Our joy. We have. We heard. We handle. We saw or what we have seen. And so as we read through these verses, John is doing what? He is giving us an understanding of fellowship. We write this to make our joy complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. Now, uh, this is very important to understand. John does not edit the message. He does not edit the word of God. He does not add to the word of God. He proclaims what he has heard. And so uh, notice the, the sanctified ear. Now, in the Old Testament, the sons of Aaron had to have the right earlobe chipped with blood, the right thumb uh, uh, chipped with blood, and the right great toe chipped with blood, which signifies I will hear the word of God. I will hear the word of God as a believer priest. I will hear God. Primarily, I will hear God. What a challenge in our day with all the cacophony of of information that comes at us, manipulated information, lies, deception, half-truth. We go to the Word and we can hear the truth. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If the Son sets you free, the cosmic system will never set you free. Everything about the cosmic system is about enslavement degradation, abuse, humiliation. He goes on. This is the message we have heard out from him and declare unto you, God is light. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Word darkness here in the Greek is skotia, and it refers to the consequences of darkness, and it carries the associated idea 
of unhappiness or ruin. Once again, the word darkness here is skotia. And it, uh, it, it carries the associated idea of unhappiness or ruin. God is fast. God as to his nature is fast. God as to his nature is light. In John's gospel, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Uh, Kenneth Weiss renders it, uh, Jesus saying, I, in contradistinction to all others, I alone am the light of the world. I am the light of the cosmos. Jesus said that before the devil, before the authorities of darkness, before the Sanhedrin, uh, Sanhedrin Council, before the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, they don't believe in the supernatural. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but they fought vehemently against the person of Jesus. Jesus never quoted one rabbi, neither Rabbi Shemaiah or Rabbi Hillel, during his public ministry. Jesus never quoted from the rabbinic literature. Jesus never quoted from the Essenes during his public ministry. Jesus never quoted from any Greek or Hellenistic philosopher during his public ministry. Jesus is the Theanthropos. He is the God-man. He is the very presence of the essence of God. He needs no human support. He needs no human authentication. One of the first books written about Jesus in church history, and of course this is extra-biblical literature, and it was written, uh, and it was called uh, it was called Life of Jesus, Vitae Jesus, or Vitae Jesus. And uh, in this book, the writer said that Jesus was the illegitimate son of Miriam. The first book. That book's re- relevance now is only it's only relevant now because uh, of his position in church history. But the author's gone, and the impact of that book is, has long been dead, if it had any. And Jesus is alive, and he is blessing today. Jesus rose again the third day according to the scriptures, not according to a Hellenistic philosopher, not according to a rabbinic authority, but according to the scriptures. He knew that people would say negative, nasty, or horrendous things about his personal character, but 
none of those statements negated the essence of who he is. And what he is doing today. Those who believe in him will never be put to shame. I I want you to remember that. Those who believe in Jesus will never be put to shame. And don't ever think so. Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? In in Romans one, he gives a a summary of of the the, the vanity fair of uh, uh, the flesh in Roman culture, and at the end of that that fabulous chapter, Romans one, Paul wrote, "They invented evil things," and then in Romans two, Paul talks about those who store or or who treasure up wrath, that is, orgate, divine anger. They, they, they are treasuring up, and this word is a word from which we get our word thesaurus. They are treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. Verse 5, First John 1. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I love that language. And Titus says that he is the God. Uh, Titus, uh, uh, Paul wrote in the book of Titus that God is the God who cannot lie. God is to his nature. His essence cannot lie. Here, God is light. God is light. Now, I have a book by Harold G. Koenig, K-O-E-N-I-G-M-D. It is entitled Medicine, Religion, and Help. Medicine, Religion, and Help. Uh, Subtitle, Where Science and Spirituality Meet. I'm just going to read a part of this book to you. This chapter... This is page 73 on mental health. He writes, uh, quote, besides epidemiological studies, however, there, there are at least eight randomized, randomized clinical trials, of which five have shown a more rapid remission of depression among patients receiving a religious-oriented, uh, a religious-oriented psychotherapy. So uh, he talks about how uh, believers have do better at what they call uh, to, uh, coping with being better with health problems. Uh, the book is uh, worth reading, and this is from uh, an individual who has for many, many years studied the correlation of the healthy lives of believers as against those who are not believers. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. These are some of the benefits of having a personal relationship with the Lord. 
or as the word of fellowship stipulates, it, the word means participation. It means partnership. It means intimacy. It means intimacy, partnership, participation, joint things in common. There is that new reality. There is that new relationship. And we benefit wonderfully from Christ. What we have in the cosmic system is what? The devil's kingdom, which seeks to do it. Steal, kill, or slay, or sacrifice like a, a, a ritual slaughter, or destroy, destroy. Uh, our, our Jesus, our Jesus is the good shepherd. We have fellowship with him. We hold joint things in common with him. We are in eternal, we have an eternal intimacy with the Son of God. Does he hear your prayers? Yes. Does he see your suffering? Yes. The psalmist states that he has our tears in his bottle. Nothing is thrown away. He accepts all of us. There may be parts of you as a believer that you reject or don't want to ever accept or you want to pretend like that part of you is irrelevant, it doesn't exist, uh, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> but to Jesus, all of you matter. All of you matter. He doesn't throw away any part of you. He doesn't need to. My Bible teaches that love covers a multitude of sins. His arms were, uh, were stretched out when he was crucified to embrace the world. Jesus said, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm too bad for God. I'm no good. I'm a mess. Oh, why would God want something like me? Jesus came for you. I have these horrible secrets and this terrible past. No one would accept me. Oh, if you only knew. God knows. And he's the only one who needs to know what you know. Stop throwing away bits of yourself. Stop breaking yourself up into fragments of that which is acceptable and that which is unacceptable. You're not your own if you're a believer. You are bought with a price. When you have fellowship, genuine fellowship, intimacy with the Lord, all all that negativism 
that you were taught to have about yourself from so-called friends, from so-called books, from so-called authorities, from so-called counselors who want to medicate you away, who want to send most of your existence into existential hibernation so that you can cope, so that you can be a part of society. God accepts all of you, the tragic and the non-tragic, the horrific, the unspeakable. God accepts all of it. Stop throwing yourself away, holding your eyes down, and counting yourself out as a rejected one. God accepts all of you. Remember when Jesus fed the 4,000, when he fed the 5,000, none of the fragments, none of the food, nothing was thrown away. Everything is taken up by God, and everything is blessed in the hand of God. You have to know this. You have to believe by faith. The God I serve is not a throwing away God. The God I serve is not a God who abandons. My Bible tells me that when one sheep goes astray, the shepherd goes looking for that. That's who he is. And when he finds that sheep, he brings it back. And there is rejoicing. That's the God I serve. That's the God with whom I have fellowshiped. He said, I, not, I, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's who he is. That's the love of God. That's the heart of God. John goes on, verse 6. He states, if we claim to have Fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness. I want you to see the contradiction. I want you to see the schizophrenic nature of such position. If we say, or if we claim to have fellowship with him, now remember, stated God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, remember, sotia, the consequences of darkness, which uh, the word carries the associated idea of unhappiness or ruin. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. Notice. We lie collectively. We lie and do not live by the truth. We lie. This lie makes life unstable. This, this, uh, this way of being, this, this fragmented, this, this, this fragmented self. 
James wrote that the Daisukas, the two-souled person, is unstable in all his ways. You can't be stable if you're double-souled, if you're two-souled. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Two masters. We lie and do not live by the truth, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, that is, if we keep on walking in the light, is the emphasis in the Greek. But if we keep on walking in the light. See, this is where we, where we have fellowship with God. We keep on walking in the light. And remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, notice carefully, Jesus never said, you reflect the light. He never used that language. Jesus said emphatically, ye are the light of the world. Jesus never said, ye are the reflectors of the light. He never used that language. That language is imposed upon the text. Would it reflect the light? The Bible never says that. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice the state of being verb. If we order our steps in the light as he, state of being, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us out from all sin. So here is one of the uses of the word fellowship in John, 1 John chapter 1. I have a meaningful, powerful intimacy with God, and I can have a meaningful and powerful intimacy with fellow believers. That's why I brought up a few moments ago this book, Medicine, Religion, and Health, Where Science and Spirituality Meet, Harold G. Koenig, M.D., he has been doing this a long time, and I have other books that correlate the relationship of faith and medicine, spiritual, having a, a wonderful and real relationship with God, and what that means for one's mental health and physical health, relationship health. It is all of God. It is the blessings of being in fellowship with God. Just some of the blessings. Just some. And we have an eternal fellowship with him to enjoy. I love it. I want you to have it. I want us to maintain it. Our fellow believers in the cosmic system right now need us to be spirit-filled and focus on Jesus. So we can pray for one another. Dark days. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.